We are in chapter 23 of our study book entitled, God is Faithful. It is my plan to just, we all know there's nothing better, there's no better commentary, there's no better way to understand God's Word than to just let the Scripture do it. And we have been given, all through these questions, all through these comments, Scriptures to look at. So, I hope I don't mess it up. Uh, but just to recap, and uh, let's just turn to the contents and look at what we have already looked at in the front of your book. If you have a book, if not, it won't be. It won't take long, and you're not really missing out if you don't have a book. I'll try to make it plain. Uh, some attri attributes that we have that we've looked at, or descriptions. I don't know if all of these can actually be called attributes, attributes or descriptions, descriptors. Uh, are more interrelated than others. Uh, when we talk about them, sometimes we, we confuse them or we might talk about them as if they're interchangeable. Some of them work together. They all work together. But uh, some of them, for instance, if we look at number six, it says, it says God is personal. And we see number seven, God is relational. You can see how that, that works together. They're two different things, but they work together as, they, as God deals with his people. Uh, such is the case with faithful. A God who is true, see on your, on your list there, number 20, means integrity. Now you would expect that to work along with faithful, would you not? We would assume him to be faithful, and that's not wrong. All they are both dealt to God's people, us, specific ways, specific situations. God works that way, and there's, no, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong. That, there's never, ever going to be one that denies another or outplaces another because uh, God is complete and perfect. Also true of number 12, immutable. We may even confuse these two, uh, these two immutable and uh, faithful. We, we see how they might work together. We would also expect a God who is righteous, number 18, that we've already been to. A God who is righteous to be faithful, right? They work together. And as far as I know, as far as I can tell, my understanding is they all proceed from God's prominent attribute of holiness. He is, first of all, holiness. Above all, holy. Everything proceeds out of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. If, you, if, if that helps you understand it, you're on the right foot. We see in this, uh, go back to our, our study, chapter 23. We, the word faithful is going to be uh, defined. It tells us that the word faithful in the Old Testament in Hebrew comes from the word aman. Does that look familiar to you? Aman. What might you say? It came to us as a man or amen. And the Greek word pistos, they, they both communicate the idea of certainty and stability. Now, when we talk about somebody that's faithful, you may talk about a faithful friend. You may say, he's faithful as a hound dog. He's always at work. He's there on time. He's a good man. We, we, we attribute this as positive, as good, and that's true. Here, as far as Scripture, as far as our study, it says an appropriate illustration would be a strong column that holds up the weight of a building or the strong arms of a father that uphold and protect his helpless child. 
And when it is used as a reference to God, that means he is worthy of absolute trust and that as people can depend on him without doubt or reservation. And it comes with a qualifier. At the end of this paragraph, it is important to understand that God's faithfulness is not based on his doing everything that his people desire. Let down, huh? Well, our desires are wrong very often. So it can't be on that. But in doing everything that he has promised. And what do we call God's promises? His covenant, which is going to be very important as we inst- since we are covenantal Baptists. Am I right? Yes. All right, let's go. Important number one says, in, uh, we start off with the names. In the scripture, a name is the means through which a character or a person is revealed. Can you think of a name of a person in the Bible? I, I immediately think of Jacob, which means unfaithful. It means a trickster, somebody who will trick you if he can. Jacob, trick people. Uh, a name is given uh, as a means through which the character of a person is revealed. And the scripture that's pointed out here is Deuteronomy 7, 9. I'm going to try to finish all these. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 7, 9 and examine this scripture. And there's some of them, and I think this is one of them, that I'm going to be, uh, well, maybe not. I'm going to be reading for, uh, to set up the context of the scripture it helps to read a little bit more. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant. There it is again. He keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Here are several descriptions, just rapid fire. Uh, It seems like he's saying faithful. Different ways, over and over and over. Uh, steadfast, keeps covenant, steadfast love. <clears throat> he even mentions uh, a thousand generations, which is more than we can imagine. He says uh, there are several things here mentioned. He is just and upright, he says. No, I'm sorry, that's, yeah, that's right. Now let's go to the next, the next verse. He, he is faithful either to deliver and bless... God is faithful no matter what. God is also faithful to punish. Now, he's consistent. We think of, we think of faithful, and we have to include consistent. Uh, if we think about people, there are... This is almost relatable to us. There are some attributes. Uh, I, I struggle, and I have to learn, and I have to study about God's holiness... I'm not holy. I am. I work and work and work and still don't reach holy. Faithful is almost relatable to us because we're in a. We would never go into an agreement with anyone or in league, like go into business operation or anything with anyone, thinking, I hope they're not faithful. Would we? We we wouldn't do that. So we can. We can identify with this, and we, we, we know about faithful. Uh, God's sovereignty. We've already studied God's sovereignty. Uh, it may offend us 
in our selfishness. We say, well, I didn't get what I wanted because God's sovereign, because he had another plan. God's holiness may offend us in our sin and rebelliousness and rebellion, our sinfulness. But we understand faithfulness. In this way, it is simple to us. When we see these things describing God, we see this as positive. Uh, when we talk about somebody that's not faithful, a person which we cannot be, we, we will fail, God will not fail, then we understand a little more about God. Uh, the next scripture given is Deuteronomy chapter 32, 4. Let's turn to that. Sorry, I'm wasting time here. The scripture says, The rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Again, we have over and over several descriptions here. Young people especially, if you're reading the Bible, and we, many of our references will be from the Psalms, you can't hardly look at this page of Psalms and turn the next page of Psalms without a reference to God's faithfulness. It is absolute. It's all through the Bible, but especially in the Psalms. And here we see one, he says, the rock. Now, this denotes exactly the... Uh, Description given in the beginning, something dependable. When David was running in the wilderness, and he, he would go and hide in these rocks, in this cave, knowing that no army was going to come and move this rock as big as this building and get him out. He knew that it was shelter to him. I mean, anytime you see the word, a phrase, the rock, fortress, a, a refuge, all these things, they are either referring to or describing God's faithfulness, his security. Remember that. And that's what it says here. It says that his, his work is perfect. This is one of the descriptions, this name. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity. We see his righteousness. No iniquity means he is totally righteous. These things work together. They all point to God's dependability and faithfulness. Now the next scripture, talking about names, is... Isaiah 49, 7. Let's turn there. The scripture says, Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and His Holy One, to the one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes and they shall prostrate themselves, because the Lord, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. He's pointing out, God has ordained that Israel, although attacked, although assailed, although persecuted, sometimes they're reduced down to a small number 
He's saying, God will look after Israel. There's going to be times when God is going to have to punish Israel. God is going to have to afflict Israel by his own hand. But he said, I have chosen you, and I am faithful, and it will come to pass. Israel will be redeemed. God will be worshipped because of God's faithfulness. The word faithfulness, if you see it at the top of page 127, is translated translated from another word it's it's uh i guess its root is from the word emuna which denotes firmness steadfastness and fidelity now that makes me think of a rock or a fortress or these things that david so often referred to the way that god the way that david referred to god the next scripture is psalm 100 verse 5 let's turn to that Again, this is God's faithfulness put forth in a positive way. He says, the Lord is good. As a matter of fact, this is a small, small section. Let's just read the whole thing to set it up. It's five verses. Go back to the verse one. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is almost a repeat of the verses we just read, only with a different perspective. This whole David... And again, when I talk about David, I think of all the things he went through as a, as a young man, and he grew old, and he constantly, he was constantly coming back to God's faithfulness, not his own. Even when he, David was a terrible man, he repented, he turned to God, God kept him. But he would, he would tell you, and he has over and over in the Psalms, God is good. The Lord is faithful. The Lord didn't fail. David may, may have failed many times, but God never failed. Uh, let's turn to uh, Psalm 146. Look at this next description. I think I'll read uh, verses 1 through 6 in this one. This also has a good context or a good setup. Verse 1 starts out, Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. That last phrase there points out that God, in fact, is a covenant keeper. He establishes his covenant and he keeps his covenant. We know from, uh, from all the history of uh, what we've seen in the Old Testament and in our own lives, God initiates the covenant, he keeps the covenant. This is especially true when we see in uh, the story of Abraham. He put Abraham to sleep. He says, Abraham, I got this. I'm going to make the covenant, and I'm going to keep the covenant. Very uh, evident that God is faithful. There's hardly a way to look at any... There is no way to look at the way, the way that God dealt with His people, Israel, and not see that He was faithful. He did. He did have to punish them. He did have to put them through persecution. When they done wrong, just like we heard this morning with the, uh, the Amalekites, they, uh, he was faithful to come back and protect them. They were his chosen people. And uh, God made a commitment. These people will be punished. And they were. Uh, and he does the same thing with us. <clears throat> Indirectly, this contrasts faith, eternal, and God with unfaithful, finite man. This says God will keep His covenant. The only, the only logical contrast is we look at man, man struggles. We, we, we don't keep our, our covenants. Remember that time you promised to do that thing? For that person, and you didn't do it, there may have been extenuating circumstances, and you couldn't do it. You still failed. It don't matter. God will not fail. Let's go on to the next scripture. I'm going to read this uh, common comment before we go on. It's important to understand that God's faithfulness not only depends on His character, but also upon His power and immutability, meaning He does not change. See, that's how they interact together. That's what I was talking about in the beginning. A person, a God who is faithful cannot change, so immutability fits together with that. See how it dovetails? A, a God of limited power would be limited in His ability to, to fulfill His promises. An immutable God could change his mind about what he has promised. Uh, only God can be totally faithful because he can never be distracted or thrown off track from his intentions or his covenant. He won't forget his covenant. He said he won't and he won't. He won't be affected by any outside influence or force as creator God. He cannot be affected. As a matter of fact, 
He is the influence or the effect on everything else. I love the expression, you don't wash the soap. The soap washes you. This is the way it is with God. He is the influencer. He will be faithful. Turn to Isaiah 14, 24. Let's look at this scripture. I'm sorry, I skipped one. I skipped Psalm 135, didn't I? Let's turn to that one. The heading there says, God is powerful enough to do all that he has planned. Verses 5 and 6. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and in all deeps. Now we could easily read this and also point out God's sovereignty, could we not? His omnipotence, could we not? Also, these all fit together with God's faithfulness. A God who is a God who was sovereign, but who is unfaithful could very well be a human a human king a human king has all kinds of power on earth he has armies at his disposal he has people at his disposal but if he's not faithful he's not a good king god is a good king he is a good ruler he is good and his faithfulness works for his people because he's faithful his omnipotence the fact that he is all powerful the fact that he has all knowledge the fact that he is eternal all work together with his faithfulness. Once God has committed, it will be done. Uh, now let's turn to Isaiah. I'm sorry I mixed you up there. Isaiah 14, 24. <clears throat> The Lord of Hosts, one of my favorite uh, titles for the Lord God, the Lord of Hosts. When you think of the Lord of Hosts, you think of innumerable, innumerable angels, this huge army and force. They all bow before him. They're all subject to him. He thinks a thought and they rush to do it. The Lord of Hosts has sworn as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. We've all heard, and in, in my lifetime, this was more prominent. And they, say, they said that a man's word was his bond. And uh, back before everybody could read, I suppose, or write, a handshake was all it needed. For a contract between men. And this is even greater. God says. If I have sworn it. I will do it. 
I want you to remember. That Jesus, as our faithful high priest, is the only one that can stand where he does. He alone is faithful. He alone is qualified. He is God, just like we see here, Lord of hosts. This is just as much Jesus as it is God the Father. He is the Lord of all these things. He is the only one. He is faithful. I love the book of Hebrews and the way it describes the office of priest, the, the, the better priest, the more superior priest of Christ. The fact that he said, we all read about the bad priest in the Old Testament. Uh, they got greedy. Uh, their sons, they were even with the uh, temple prostitutes. They would take bribes. They were condemned for this. Uh, Hebrews points out the fact that if, if there was a good priest, if there, if there was somebody that could be good forever, there would be no need for a new high priest or a better high priest. But they all failed. Christ alone has sworn. And he says, I will do it. I will stand in your place as your redeemer. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to think that those words carry such weight uh, that he says, I will, and it will be done. But when we look at uh, the creation account, everything that God said, it happened. Just like that. This God has that power. He has that authority. He has everything uh, to qualify him, including being faithful. What does 1 John 1, 9 say as pertains to us? It says, if we, are faith, if, we, if we confess our sins, what is he? This priest, this man Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. What comfort. It is so awesome to think that this Lord of hosts has sworn, I will forgive. The person who comes to me in repentance, I will forgive. I won't turn any away. Fascinating to me. It blows me away. Let's turn to Ephesians 1.11. Look at another instance. This verse says, in Him, talking about Christ, in Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Here we see that He will work out this thing, these things. God's faithfulness will result in His own glory and our good if we are His. Otherwise, he will still be faithful, as I've already mentioned, to punish eternally 
those who reject him. What a sobering thought to think on one side. He has sworn and promised and is faithful to forgive and predestined. He has a plan and he will keep his plan because why? Because he's faithful. On the other hand, he has also sworn. Those who reject him, there is no other choice. There is no other hope for God to remain faithful, for God to remain just and righteous and holy. All these attributes fit for him to remain that way. He has to punish. There's no, there's, there's no other alternative. Even, even in our own human reasoning, we can see this. If God is going to be just, if he's going to reward on the basis of his son's righteousness, then he must punish on the basis of our rebellion. Would he not? Yes, he is. We're running out of scripture. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3. Verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Again, with his immutability. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. He says, I have sworn, I am faithful, and I will keep you. He says, you're the only reason you're still in existence. The only reason there is still an Israel. The only reason there is a remnant is because I, God, said there would be. He has sworn this. The note in the book is worth reading. This is a powerful demonstration of how God's immutability affects his relationship with his people. Even in the midst of, God, of Israel's unfaithfulness to God, God remained faithful. And this is repeated over and over and over. If you don't believe me, go to the judges. Read the judges. Over and over. They would rebel. They would fall back. He would send a judge and a prophet. They would be revived. There would be a time when people would uh, turn around. Over and over. God was faithful. Reaching out constantly, constantly to rescue these people. God remained faithful because he does not change his promises. Because he does not change and his promises do not fail. His faithfulness to his promises does not depend on our performance, but upon his immutable and righteous character. Now, I don't want to be confusing, but there it is again. These attributes, these quali qualities of God, these descriptors, they work together. That you... I don't want to be irreverent, but it's like a, a, a Jenga game. You cannot pull out God's holiness or God's righteousness or God's faithfulness and still expect to have a whole God. No. He is so perfectly made, made, 
that you cannot separate them. They all work together in concert. One does not, out, one does not cancel out the other. Because God is immutable does not mean that he won't be righteous. He will be righteous. It actually supports it. Now, what is the contrast to that? God is faithful. So, what, is, what are men? We are awfully unfaithful, are we not? I pointed out the time that, you know, you made a commitment. You had every intention of fulfilling that commitment, and you failed. Maybe you failed because somebody in the line in front of you had already failed. It wasn't your fault. You still failed. God will not fail. We end up. Now, where does that put us? That puts us in the position of contracts and agreements. You can't, you can't get a phone. You can't buy a car. <laughs> you can't have a library card without a contract because people are so unfaithful. Am I, am I right? Okay. When we join the church... This is the covenant Bible church contract that we sign as members. If you are a prospective member, you will be asked to sign this contract. If you are a member, you have already signed this contract. It's been months ago. Our pastor brought this to my attention. And you see it's highlighted with things I need to look at, I need to be aware of. It says, we engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to sustain its worship, ordinances, and discipline. We contract to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger. We contract. If you join, you signed it. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember one another in prayer, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and courtesy in speech. To be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. We acknowledge that implicit within this covenant is the consent to be governed by the word of God in peacemaking and reconciliation, accountability and church discipline, marriage and divorce, counseling and confidentiality, and the protection of our children. That is where we have fell to. As humans, we have to have something written down to remind us, to hold over our heads saying, you made an agreement. God has no such contract. God in himself alone is faithful. Uh, for us, it's not hard to understand. It's not hard to us to make this contrast to see I fail I have had people fail me. Boy, does that hurt. Right? Am I right? Okay. Now, I want to read this beautiful picture 
when we think of, I want, it's one of the highest pictures of fidelity that is given in Scripture. We talk about the gospel. We talk about how God deals with men. How good He is. How can a perfect, spectacular, holy, infinite God stoop to us mud creatures and not only come to us but work in our hearts in a saving way. And what do we call it? We call it the gospel. The scripture is going to be familiar to you. It comes from Ephesians chapter 5. One of the most uh, binding, I guess it is the most binding thing that we enter into in our flesh is marriage. As adults, heterosexual people, we enter into this covenant, this contract. And you've probably heard preachers describe it in the way that if this, if this bond is broken, he, he says that it's, it's like a weld. Jeremy, Jeremy knows about a weld. If a weld is done right, these two pieces of metal are joined together and you break it, one of them is going to, be, is going to pull apart with a bigger piece on it. It's going to be damaged irreparably. It's never going to be the same. So we know that God hates divorce. What is the contrast? What is the opposite of that? The opposite of that is faithful. And we see in this scripture the gospel that God has put forth. We can't understand. We say, how can God come to somebody like me? He knows what I've done. He even knows how I'm going to fail him in the future after I've repented. How can he come and we say, I don't know. It's a mystery. And the mystery is described here in verses 31 through 33. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This contract, this highest covenant that we can enter into with our human brains, marriage, make a commitment for life. You're mine, I'm yours. No others. And when it's broken, it's horrible and it's painful and it, it just causes so much damage. Okay. Those people were unfaithful. Somebody in that marriage was unfaithful for, in some form, some way. We see in this, the gospel, all these scriptures that we've just read, God will never, because of the pain, because He is God, because He is 
all that he is, because he's holy, mostly. He will be faithful. He cannot fail. He is God. Okay. Now, after all that, I've got some uh, free broadcaster candy for you. <laughs> this comes from the, uh, the Faithfulness of God, these little books. I love them. This quote is from Thomas Watson. Here is a safe anchor hold. He will not alter the thing which has gone forth of his lips. The public faith of heaven is engaged for believers. Can we have better security? No. The whole earth hangs upon the word of God's power and shall not our faith hang upon the word of God's truth? Where can we rest our faith? but upon God's faithfulness. There is nothing else we can believe in but the truth of God. We cannot trust in an arm of flesh. We cannot trust in our own hearts. This is to build upon the quicksands. But the truth of God is a golden pillar, the very description given in our book, for faith. The, the truth of God is a golden pillar for faith to stay upon. Ultimately, this says it, God cannot deny himself. And that comes from 2 Timothy 2.13 by Thomas Watson. God is faithful. He is faithful to his people. He is faithful to his covenant. Looking at these attributes, looking at all these descriptors of God, what is God ultimately faithful to? He's, he's faithful to himself. He has nobody else to answer to. There is no higher authority. And he is faithful to himself. Let's pray.